You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mm-hmm. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. When you hear the best version of Rocky Top that exists on planet Earth. You know it's a special occasion here in Knoxville, Tennessee, folks. Football's finally here. This, of course, is the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. Thanks to everybody who's tuning in. You'll also notice something different with this episode. We're live streaming. Just... We ha- we've live streamed a couple of times leading up to this. We were sort of testing the waters. And we decided that for this entire football season, if maybe longer, we're going to do live streams every Monday, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, me, Zach Reagan, for the Big Orange Podcast. Uh, along with my the stream that I do with uh, with Jonathan Crompton um, during all of the football games. And, oh, my music died. What happened to it? Oh, no. This is mechanical malfunction here. But anyway. I had no idea. I had no idea you were going to intro with that music. And it uh, it gets me every time. I love it. It is the bet. Here we go. I got it back. I got it back. It's I I don't have it anymore uh, on an actual like on anything. It's I have to get it off YouTube. But it's still there, baby. The club mix. The Rocky Top club mix. The best version of Rocky Top. Uh, all right, let's get down to it. This is the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to that regularly, the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify is where you will find us. Uh, and also, obviously, YouTube. Folks already tuning in there uh, as we're as they're rolling in. Uh, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. Lots of folks watching on Facebook also. Thank you there. And then uh, A to Z Sports.com for everything that Zach and I write on the old internet. Thanks again for everybody that is tuning in live here. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Um, find us all over the internets. All right. It is football season, as I've already said. As I've that's that's why Rocky Top is blaring. Oh, it's game week. Tennessee Ball State, seven p.m. I think seven p.m. Right on Thursday night. Maybe I should I know that before <laughs> leading into this. I'm fairly certain it's seven p.m. Um, Tennessee Ball State playing. We will give our full preview of that game in particular 
um, closer to the end of the show. We'll start out with our full season prediction for this year uh, so that we can we can predict and then we'll make fun of ourselves later when uh, we're extremely wrong as we always are. Um, and uh, we'll talk about everything else that's been happening with Tennessee football because uh, a lot has been going on since our last episode last Monday. Uh, we had the news of Brew McCoy getting his eligibility. Finally, every all the Tennessee fans gave everybody enough grief. They gave USC enough grief. They gave the NCAA enough grief. And finally, uh, the NCAA gave in Brew McCoy fully eligible to play. He will be playing against Ball State. He's even listed on the aforementioned death chart. Uh, but Zach, let's let's start off here. And then we'll get into the the full preview and everything, but we just got to cover this because it was massive news this last week. I we have Zach. Th- I'm sorry that I've gone this long without letting you talk. What's up, dude? How you doing? Oh, you're all good. I, I mean, I was just basking in the glory of game week here and uh, thinking about Thursday night, just that feeling that kind of you wake up with it on Thursday morning, knowing it's game day, mm-hmm. first game of the year. There's nothing like it. It really is. The closest thing you can get to a Christmas morning feeling really it might be better than Christmas morning for for adults. It certainly is is in that neighborhood for me. So really excited for this weekend. Uh, as far as Brew McCoy, does that not feel like maybe a, a turning of the tides a bit? Like that feels like something that in previous years he would miss the first week, maybe the second week, and it would be like a Euros Plavsic situation. Or I think Cade Mays had to miss a week as well, where he he doesn't get to play until later into the season. So. Maybe that's a good sign that uh, something good finally happened for Tennessee with the NCAA. It has been kind of a year of that where something good has finally happened for Tennessee. You win SEC championships. Baseball has the magical season. It's time for football to have those moments. We got them in basketball and baseball. That's great. Now we got to have it with the moneymaker here with football. And maybe this is the first of a few moments like that this season. Uh, this is certainly not a a typical Tennessee thing. The typical Tennessee thing has been Euros Plavsic missing an entire half of a season because of the stupid NCAA. And maybe it is a turning of our luck. Is this is this Tennessee luck, the curse being broken? There's been so many moments over the last few years where we went, is this finally the our luck turning? And it never truly is. But it does, I don't know, things just feel different right now. I agree. It just feels a little like we kind of turn turn a corner. I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe it's because of the athletic director Danny White, who has maybe. brought he has brought some swagger to Tennessee, and he proved that. Uh, what Sunday was it? Sunday, Saturday evening, Sunday evening. Yeah, uh, with his tweet, I believe that was. Can't remember what day it was. Now everything's a blur. But throwing, I mean, straight up throwing shade at Auburn calling it a chaotic, crazy situation. I know he was friends with Alan Green, the athletic director there, that they, they agreed to split ways, part ways, which was going to happen after the season anyway because Auburn truly is what Tennessee was several years ago, and it's trending in an even worse direction where boosters are heavily involved. Everybody wants something different. Nobody's aligned, and uh, Danny White definitely – took a torch to that whole situation. So did his dad, uh, who also yeah. <laughs> I think had worked with Alan Green maybe at some point as well. Uh, so the uh, the White family, not a big fan of Auburn at all. I, I would say this. I don't think it is a coincidence that good things happen with the NCAA 
now that Danny White is in charge. Obviously, he was kind of brought in, I don't want to say exclusively for that reason, but a huge part of bringing him in and giving him that giant paycheck to come here was to mitigate things with the NCAA. Um, Who knows what that relationship was really like before he showed up? I don't think it was good, clearly. And he, the handling of the Jeremy Pruitt nonsense, and that has, at least to this point, we'll see what that punishment ends up being, but to this point has been handled very smoothly. Uh, he's even played it cautiously with uh, with the NIL stuff so far, maybe a little more cautious than even I would hope. But, you know, it's a situation Tennessee's in at the moment. And then with this, and, and Brew McCoy, maybe this is more the fruits of, of bringing in, actually getting serious about the administration in Tennessee, bringing in Danny White, and then I, I just love... An AD that's going to go out, even even if this was just a favor to his friend, which I think it was. I mean, it really was just things had gone sour there with with Green as AD, and it just wasn't good. The whole shenanigans of last offseason where they were trying to replace Brian Harson, um, it was bad. Just whatever it had happened there, and I think whether it was Green actually asking Danny White to do that and Danny White doing it, or just Danny White being like, "Hey, bro, here you go." I, lo- I love it that Danny White is not afraid to do something like that and just go like, look at this nonsense down here, right down the road. You know, essentially a rival of Tennessee, more or less. Um, I love it. It's, it's so great to see competence. Is that really just the right word? Just somebody that actually knows what they're doing. They're not afraid to do things like this. Uh, it's encouraging at the very least. Um yeah, but uh, oh, let's see, Jay, Jake, in the comments, we have comments. Let's let's say this. Let's start here, because we're live streaming. We can take your comments um, on on YouTube and on Facebook. So wherever you might be watching, drop your comments in there. We'll try to have. If you do have questions, drop them in there. We'll try to have sort of at the end of the show. This is what we did on our previous live stream. Sort of a section at the end where we answer questions, um, and we can kind of do that. But also, we'll look at them throughout the show. Um, Jake says, glad to see Danny White being more vocal, but wish he did it sooner. Uh, all uh, Fulky getting face smashed by UF in the, S- in the SEC tournament game. That's a fair point. Yeah. he's Maybe it just took him getting more comfortable uh, in, in the system or just he's more brazen in certain ways than others. I'm, I forgot I'm sure. about Jake mentioned there, Byron Yone, uh missing yeah. some games early last year. I completely forgot about that. That was a, a yet another example of of how things didn't go Tennessee's way as far as NCAA eligibility with a with a player. Um, again, hopefully the tides are changing here. And then Trevor mentioning uh, he doesn't like the Tennessee opening on a Thursday night, second year in a row. I can understand it. I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I love Saturday Tennessee games. Like I want to, I want to watch them either a night game or like a three thirty game, four o'clock game. Like that's my ideal Saturday. But I understand why they want to play on Thursday night. And Josh Heupel talked about it today during his press conference. Actually, that that allows one, it's national exposure, which I'm sure everybody gets. The whole country is going to be watching Tennessee and Ball State play. A lot of eyes on Tennessee, which is great for the also. Allow Tennessee coaches to go out and recruit this weekend. They'll be at high school football games while other coaches are going through game prep. They're with the team on Friday nights. Tennessee's coaches will be out at those games, and they it won't have to just be local around Knoxville. They can go wherever they want to, you know, Louisiana, Florida, California, Texas, wherever they need to go to watch a player and recruit them, they'll be there. And that that's huge. And it, it might not sound like much, but you, you don't know when a connection with a player is going to be made. 
uh, maybe nothing fruitful comes of it, but you never know. You might get four or five star player because of that one weekend. I, I know that might sound a little dramatic, but that is that is one benefit. I don't think that's the sole reason that Tennessee's doing this. I think that that's just kind of a byproduct of the situation. But uh, I think they like having the eyes on them on that first Thursday night game. They definitely do. I I know they don't mind it, and I I'm just kind of ambivalent about it. Do I love it? No. Do I hate it? No. I I don't. I don't know. I just don't. I don't feel much about it. Either way, I'm just happy to watch college football as soon as possible. That's really my my bottom line. But what we're going to do today for the bulk of the show is preview Tennessee's full season. We're going to give game by game our prediction for what's going to happen, uh, the the entire breakdown there, and then end with the, the exact preview of the Ball State game. Um, and uh, before we do that. We're going to get right into it after we pay the bills. Today's show is brought to you by the amazing folks at Superbook Sports. If uh, you are somebody who bets on sports, download the Superbook Sports app right now. Uh, football is back. Nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they will match 100% of your first bet up to one thousand dollars no matter if the bet wins or loses match 100 of your first bet up to one thousand dollars no matter if it wins or loses crazy offer you don't have to be in nashville and Knoxville to enjoy football this fall visit superbook.com or download the superbook tennessee app right now to start getting in on the action visit superbook.com for terms and conditions and if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-889-9789 and zach i'll i'll ask you this there's obviously on superbook sports there are plenty of games, I mean, all of the college football games that you could want, the Tennessee game included, Ball State, although in previous weeks we've talked about the betting lines on, on Tennessee's games so far. So I'll ask you a, an intriguing SEC matchup here, see what your opinion is on it. Utah, Florida, Utah is minus three. They're kind of considered a dark horse playoff candidate. Florida, I don't know. Maybe has a little more hype than they might deserve. I I don't. I honestly I don't know. Do they? Do they? Because I've seen I've seen some people kind of thinking they're going. They're maybe a seven and five team. I I don't know. I at least with Anthony Richardson, I think he might be getting a little bit more hype than he deserves. But anyway, um, Utah three point favorite. Um, your thoughts on this? Who who you taking? Florida with the points at plus three. Utah minus three. Is it? It's in Gainesville, right? Yeah, I believe so. I feel Billy Napier has been getting the hype more so, I feel like, than the actual team. I've heard more discussion about Billy Napier and what they think he's going to do at Florida more so than what Florida will actually do this season. And and the Anthony Richardson hype has kind of been all over the place. I did see one recent mock draft where he's like a top 10 pick next year. I don't see how that happens. I think, I don't know, I I feel like Utah is going to have a chance to make the playoffs. So this is going to be a pivotal game for them. I think they know that. Uh, first game under a brand new coach. Even if Napier ends up being a great coach at Florida, that first game can always be kind of tricky. It's a new conference, new team, new new offense, new defense. I don't take Utah in this, and and that's not just me hoping that Florida loses. I really think Utah is a really good team. I don't think they're going to be a threat to win the playoff, but I think they'll be. You know, they could be like Cincinnati last year where they crashed the playoff. I think I, I think I agree. Because it's just so weird to have that first game with a brand new coach. You just really are getting your sea legs kind of still with the guy. And, I mean, you kind of saw it. I, I think 
Josh, Josh Heupel, given the exact same circumstances with Pitt this year, obviously it's different at Pitt, no Kenny Pickett, blah, blah, blah. But I think given the exact same game in the exact same circumstances, but with one year under his belt, Tennessee wins that game. Even, even with the whole, you know, Hinden Hooker is not your guy and all of that. I, I just think with a team that's more used to a coach, it can just make such a huge difference. It's, uh, yeah. it's tough right off the bat with a huge game like that. So yeah, I, I think I agree. Three, three points. If it was maybe 10 points, I would probably go Florida with the points. I think it's going to be close. It is. It's going to be a close yeah. one. Utah pulls it out because they're just, um, they're just better at the moment. Florida. It's a better situation. Exactly. I mean, you just, you have a guy at Utah who's been there for a million years, super stable situation where Florida's with their brand new guy. So, all right. Now to the full season preview for Tennessee. We start off with Ball State, and we're, we're going to give her a full take on that. I think we can say right off the bat, Zach, I believe we we both think that Tennessee will win that game, though. Yeah, this – I put – I have – when I went through the schedule, I wrote down first the games I thought were, were auto wins, just automatic wins, not games I think Tennessee will win, games I know that they will win. And I, I've got five of those down that we'll get to. But the first one's obviously Ball State, home game, this offense is going to be in its groove. They've had a whole year to to work with Hendon Hooker. Most of the offensive lines are turning. Uh, you got some new guys there at left tackle, obviously. But then, you know, you lost Velas and Javante Payton. You got a good wide receiver group. Cedric Tillman is, I mean, he's full of confidence. If you heard him talk today, he he believes that uh, he doesn't care how teams play him. If they double team him, whatever, he knows he can, he can beat them. So, I, I mean, I think this is going to be a, a blowout. I mean, I, I don't see it being close. I think Tennessee will start fast. The biggest thing for me, can they keep the, their foot on the gas in the second half, which is a problem we saw last year with this offense where they kind of faded in the second half, whether that was teams figuring them out or just them playing a different style of football. It'll be interesting to me this first game to see how they play in the second half if they get out to a huge lead. Yeah, I Obviously, we'll get into kind of the minutiae. I have some notes on Ball State and kind of the state of their program at the moment when we get there. But I, yeah, I agree. It just is one that Tennessee should win by forty points. I mean, that is the bottom line uh, with with that one. And let's, uh, I I skipped right over it. But this is actually big news that has a huge impact on this particular conversation. We mentioned Brew McCoy um, being being a factor for Tennessee now with his eligibility being cleared. Uh, but the depth chart was released today. Josh Heupel had a press conference uh, along with a number of players, and they uh, they released the depth chart. Nothing too shocking. I would say the th- the thing that is particularly shocking is that it like looks pretty good, better than I probably thought it was going to. Uh, when if, if at the end of the the season after the Purdue game, right after the Purdue game. I would have thought, I don't know how how improved this roster will really be when this next season rolls around, but I think Heupel has done a, a pretty decent job putting together a team with far more depth uh, and, and a pretty decent set of talent, especially at the starting positions. After the starting positions, it might get, get a little dicey. Obviously, we'll talk about that. Um, but did you see uh, with this depth chart anything that just totally stuck out to you? Obviously, I... Uh, I mentioned Brew McCoy is listed at one of the wide receiver positions, but he's listed as Brew McCoy, Brew McCoy or 
uh, Walker Merrill, sophomore Walker Merrill. Um, so they may be trading, uh, trading reps there. But uh, anything that just really leapt out of you, Zach? Well, it, it's interesting to see Jawan Mitchell at linebacker listed as a co-starter with Aaron Beasley. That's a guy that at, at the end of last year, we really didn't think he was going to be a part of this program anymore. We thought he was, he didn't really make an impact last year, dealt with some injuries. Uh, but he stayed with the program. He, he didn't transfer out. He put in a lot of work. He's, he's been praised by Tim Banks and his position coaches this this summer, this fall. So, I mean, that's a great sign. Tennessee was thin at linebacker. They're still, they still need more depth. Obviously they need more depth across the board on the defensive side, but that, that to me could be huge for Tennessee this year. And then really the two men, uh, below Byron Young and, uh, Joshua Joseph and James Pierce at edge rushers. To me, those guys are going to be key to Tennessee's success this year. Uh, the Byron Young and Tyler Barron, those are your guys that are going to get after the quarterback. But you need you need these two freshmen to step up this year in the second, third quarter of these games to be able to rotate in without much of a drop-off to have Byron Young and Tyler Barron fresh for the fourth quarter. I mean, that's really where Georgia was different than everybody else last year is because they had that depth to continually rotate and guys were fresh in the fourth quarter. If if those guys can step up, it, I mean, everything goes from there. It all starts with the Russian quarterback. If you can get after the quarterback with just four guys, it makes things so much easier on your secondary, your linebackers. So if those guys can step up, especially in the middle parts of some of these games, uh, it could really make a difference for Tennessee in the fourth quarter this year. That To me, that's that's a just a underrated story that, that hasn't been talked about a lot that could really make a huge difference this year. Yeah, I wrote a quick article this past week about some comments that Trevon uh, Flowers made about the uh, the depth of the defense. Now, the way that he put it was, I believe, depth is not a concern for the defense, was literally the words he used. Not sure I agree. <laughs> depth is absolutely a concern. But I think there, there's a difference between depth being a concern and depth being concerning. Because... Um, Depth is a concern, like you're saying. It's huge that a guy like Joshua Josephs, who has had a, a nice, nice little bit of hype during camp, a little more than I probably thought he would, um, but that he comes to play, that he steps up because you just need that young talent uh, to to provide quality depth. Because you you could put it this way: the depth is there, but it is extremely unproven and you know a lot of these guys aren't five stars they're not like georgia where you're just replacing a five star with a five star it's it's un unproven talent and that's 100 percent true that's going to be so so massive in games like at lsu you know where you just i think you're probably a, a decently equal team to them this year on the road it's you're going to be real tired in that fourth quarter can you got it out can you get the stop when it matters? Can you can it be like the Kentucky game last year? You made the stop when it mattered and you won the game. Uh and and that's I I, I think it's gonna be huge this entire season. So I I would put it that way. Depth is a concern, but looking at this uh roster, it is not concerning. Um, not to get too cute with <laughs> with uh with my analysis there, but uh that's how I'm seeing it. All right, so with that said, and uh and the the depth chart there. For us, let's go to the games that really matter. We both think that Ball State's blowout 
Pittsburgh is your next game at Pittsburgh. Heinz Field. They no longer have Kenny Pickett, but they got uh, a transfer quarterback. They no longer have Jordan Addison, but they have some guys at wide receiver. <laughs> um, <laughs> they do have uh, wide receivers. We can confirm. Yes, they do have wide receiver. They will have wide receivers on the field. Um, but uh, your thoughts on this game? And this this was my first toss up game. Obviously, if if this game was at home, I would go. I wouldn't go automatic win, but I would. I'd be like eighty five percent sure Tennessee's winning this game. They should have won last year when you had a first round draft pick at quarterback and and a Jordan Addison there that was an amazing wide receiver. They start Hendon Hooker if it's the middle of the season. If Josh Heupel's had a little bit more time, I think Tennessee wins that game. This game being on the road kind of concerns me. I like that it's the second game of the year, which is like last year. But I like that it's the second game of the year. Kind of iron out whatever kinks you got with with whatever new wrinkles that the offense puts in, which I assume they'll be a little bit vanilla against Ball State, uh, as vanilla as this offense can be, I guess. But when I, I mean, you got to go with your gut, right? And I've got it down as a win uh, for Tennessee. I got them starting out two and zero. I think it'll be close. I think it could be like that Purdue game last year, maybe the Kentucky game where it goes down to the wire in the fourth quarter, just again, because it's a home game for Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's got some momentum. I mean, they're, they're feeling pretty good about themselves and uh, it's not going to be easy at all, but I do, I do think Tennessee's going to, going to beat them. I think the offense with hookers just going to be rolling. It's just, it's going to be better than it was last year, just because this team is so comfortable with each other and they know each other. They know each other's mannerisms and where they're at on the field, just that chemistry that wasn't there at the beginning of the year last year, because it was just too soon for it to be there. That's there now. So I think, uh, I, I think it'll be a win. I think it'll be the, the exact scenario of last season flipped. Pittsburgh was the more uh, experienced, more, you know, set with their quarterback team. And they, they were able to just kind of uh, gut it out against Tennessee, except I, I think it will be that scenario flipped. But I think Tennessee runs away with it. I think it may maybe close, but then ultimately Tennessee wins fourteen plus. Uh, I think wow. double digit win. Okay. I, I would put it that way. Ultimately, at the end of that game, uh, maybe I you know there's a lot of belief in Pitt preseason. I think an AP poll what seventeen or something. Yeah, a lot of belief in them. They but they don't have a super easy game right off the bat. They're playing West Virginia, who's pretty down right now, but. Uh, I think they're a seven-point favorite against West Virginia. That's one of those um, rivalry games, though. That it hasn't been played lately, but that that's one of those games that you just you you throw the records out type deal. You know, it's yeah. like when Duke and UNC play in basketball. It doesn't really matter if one of them's unranked. It's going to be a game. Exactly. So I I think ultimately double-digit win for Tennessee at Pitt. Now from there, you and this is what scares me. You're going to have a lot of hype if that ha- if what I think happens at that point happens. You're going to have a lot of hype going in uh, to Florida. <laughs> this is the game. Well, we can't skip Akron. That, oh, sorry. Right? Ac- that's, no, I apologize. Yeah. I, apologize. I, I had the, the actual schedule closed. Not that, not that it, sorry. Not, not sorry that to that Akron. Not that there's a lot to discuss there. <laughs> yes, many, many points we have to make about uh, Akron. Um, well then what do you, what do you think is going to happen, Zach? And that, that Akron, the big Akron game, 
Yeah, I do think Tennessee runs away with that one. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll even go maybe, uh, maybe thirty plus twenty eight, thirty plus. I bet the I bet the spread on it will be what minus twenty eight. You think somewhere in there? Yeah, I would guess. I think they would cover that. I uh, I do too. I think that's a night game too. I believe that uh, they they've talked about they they're going to be using the light show and all that. So it should be a good crowd, especially if Tennessee starts two and zero. That might be the best crowd we've seen for one of these Tennessee versus Akron type games in a long time. That's true, because it'll be a much easier ticket to to get uh, for the non-season ticket holders. So that's that's true. I I do like, uh, yeah. See Jerry Jerry in the comments. He says UT will easily defeat Pitt. Exactly, Jerry. Jerry knows. He knows. Is that your burner account that you're commenting with? Whoops. Well, <laughs> how'd you know that? <laughs> um, at least I got somebody that agrees with me. That's good. Doesn't happen too often. Um, but. Uh, so Akron, yeah, I agree. Uh, another another snoozer game at Neyland Stadium, you win. The next game at Neyland Stadium is the Florida Gators. You're through three and zero going into that game for both of us. I mean, this is just the the I, I don't I don't even like talking about this game. It just stresses me out because this is going to be the entire linchpin of how I think this season gets viewed. Did you beat Florida? Shining success almost no matter what happens. You can beat Florida, lose to LSU, lose to Alabama in the next couple weeks, and you're still going to be living off the shine of beating Florida. Like, it's going to last. If you lose to Florida, it's going to be a giant disappointment because it's in Neyland Stadium, and that's a lot of pressure. And just a game that Tennessee has historically just lost their mind in. So, Zach, are we beating the Florida Gators? I mean... The two toughest games to pick for me were the Pittsburgh game and this Florida game. Uh, I feel pretty confident in all of my picks except those two games. So for Florida, I think this is the biggest game that Tennessee has played since at least those 2015-2016 seasons. I don't think there's a, a – and maybe even bigger – I think it might even be more important than then just because so much has happened in those years since then with the, with the crazy coaching searches and all that's happened. You've got a Tennessee team that was number seven scoring in the nation last year and a Florida team that fired their coach. They, they're kind of facing an uncertain future. What's what's going to happen? Is Napier the answer? Is he not? I mean, this is a game that Tennessee has to win if they want to be legitimate. If they want to have a chance to win the SEC East in the next couple of years, they have to beat Florida when Florida isn't a top 10 team. And Florida will be a top 10 team again. Like They're going to get back to that because they typically always do at some point. Uh, and that's fine. You want to see Tennessee and Florida both play when they're great, and you want Tennessee to win those games. You want to beat Florida when they're a top-10 team. But this is a game that I think Tennessee has to win. Um, they've had trouble with Florida before because I think we've we've talked about it. It's just because it's Florida. If it was any other team, I think these games turn out different. It's like there's something in their head. My hope is that Josh Heupel and this team don't don't have that same kind of mental block when they go out there and face Florida and that they just play their game the way that they play against everybody else. And I'm kind of the same way when I make this pick. If it wasn't Florida, if this was South Carolina in the same situation, I'd probably pick Tennessee running away. Um, as it is, I'm going to pick Tennessee. I think Tennessee will beat Florida because I think Hypo brings that different mindset. I think last year, what we saw against Florida early in the year, early in the Josh Hypo era, was not a, a true representation of who Tennessee Thunderbolts. Tennessee wins this game. I don't know if it's a running away type game, but if they play the way that they're capable of playing, they can win this game by 10 or 14 points if they 
don't make mistakes and just play confident. That's, uh, it's all about confidence to me. Everything comes down to two factors for success this season. Does Hinden Hooker play up to the advanced expectations that he's going to have? Can mm-hmm. he actually be a dark horse Heisman guy and like play at that level? That's massive. And I think we'll see some of it against Ball State, but really against Pitt. So we'll have a better idea after that Pitt game. But then the defense, too. How's the defense looking? How did they look against Pitt? It's going to be so huge in it. Um, but I say that to lead up to, I have, if you've listened to this show at length, you know that I have a blanket policy. This has no exceptions. And I apologize. I, I know people don't like this. I get grief for it every single time I do it. I did it. I did it going back to when I was on Swain's show and everything, you know, when I was on terrestrial radio and all of that, I had it back then. And here it is. Tennessee loses to Florida until they don't. That's it. I just have to, and that prediction has made me correct 15 of the last 16 years. So I apologize if that is something that you don't like. But I ha- it's, look, I have to do it. I've been, I have been wrong. In 2016, I was wrong. I predicted Tennessee to lose that game. I remember it well. Oh, ye of little faith. But then I was right for the next five years. <laughs> So, Tennessee's losing to Florida until they don't. Tennessee loses that game. I, I think it ends up being close and terrible. And you have plenty of season to make up for it. It is early in the year. But to me, in this season prediction that I have, that's, that is a loss in Neyland Stadium. And it is as crushing as you think it's going to be, unfortunately. <laughs> that's, I, I, think- I mean, is that, it makes me ill to say that. But that's just what I have. That's uh, what I... That's just the way that I have to call it. Every- I, I will I will say this. I will say this. And I actually said this earlier to some, some friends of mine. We were texting about this exact thing earlier today. If Hooker, after that Pittsburgh game, if Hooker is looking Heisman-y, <laughs> as I said, if he's looking like he's playing up to that level and the defense looks like it has real resolve, it is really improved, it is looking better than it was before, I may... Although, is it at this point, would this be like a reverse? Well, like, we did this last karma? year. We we made our predictions and we went week by week. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, you can you can switch it if you feel good later on. I might. Okay. Like I said, it, it has just been this blanket policy that unless Tennessee just looks and, and maybe Florida, Florida goes out and gets absolutely sandblasted by Utah and they just don't look good. And I believe they play Kentucky before they play us, too. And like maybe they lose to Kentucky. Then maybe God, if, if they lose, if listen, if Florida loses to Kentucky this year and then beats Tennessee, mm-hmm. that uh, even if mm-hmm. Tennessee goes eight and four, nine and three, that man, that's gonna be hard. That's gonna be tough. Mm. That will rank up there with the worst Florida losses I've experienced, I think. And there's been some pretty brutal ones. Uh, it would be horrendous. Yeah. Tennessee said, is Tennessee in the Smoky Grays? I believe that is the game. That's sort of been the prediction, I think, that that is the game they'll play. And he says, Tennessee blows out Florida. I if love play, that prediction. If they play to their capability, I think Mark exactly. can be right. I mean, if everything, if we, if we see the like the Tennessee we saw against like South Carolina and Missouri last year, yeah, uh, Mark will be right. This is, the Florida game is supernatural to me. Tennessee, in the last 15 years that Tennessee has lost this game, Tennessee has been better than Florida like a lot of those years. 
a oh, whole yeah. bunch of them they were better than Florida. And even some of those significantly better than Florida. Well, even the 2017 Tennessee team, I mean, I know Mackerel Wayne got fired on the that ropes. year, but that 2017 Tennessee team was real bad. And they had Florida beat until that fluke Felipe Franks play at the end of the game that none of us want to relive. Uh, I, I do remember, though, when that happened, obviously painful, but to the people that I was with, I turned to and I was like, Eh, I think you can be happy that it happened ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, was cause the, Butch the, was cooked and we all knew it. But anyway, um, to me, like I said, blanket policy, I just have it. This is, this is not, this game is supernatural. If I'm looking purely on paper, Tennessee is beating Florida this season, purely on paper, Tennessee is beating Florida, but this game isn't on paper. This game is in another realm where Tennessee just has this crazy mental block against Florida for some reason. We could beat them in every other sport. I mean, how many times we lost to them in basketball in like the last five years? Like twice? I mean, every other sport. We beat them in baseball this year. It didn't matter. Across the board, we can beat them. But when it comes to football, it is like some divine intervention where we just can't do it. So Tennessee is losing to Florida until they don't. That's a loss for me, but a win for you. Um, I love the a win for you. A win for Mark in the comments. Uh, David Kyle says Tennessee by 14. Over Florida, I love the optimism. Like I said, on paper, it's a win. But when I talk realistically about with my policy of we don't beat Florida till we do, it's a loss for me. All right. Now, next game is another doozy. You go straight straight from that. Uh, well, is it is this, where does the bye week fall in here? Again, I, I have the actual live stream open uh, instead of the actual schedule. I think, is it after the LSU game? I, I think it is no, like October 15. No, it's it's October 1st. So it's in between the Florida and the LSU game. It is. That's what I thought. Okay. Okay. So you have by, that should be a win for Tennessee. <laughs> um, then you go to LSU, October 8th, Death Valley, brand new coach in Brian Kelly. <sighs> um. Well, I'll, I'll let you go first, Zach. What do, what do you think? This is uh, another another one of my toss up games. Obviously, I've got it. I've got it down as a loss for Tennessee, and I'll tell you why. I, one, obviously, it's in Baton Rouge, and I think if Tennessee, uh, the game t- we the game time for this game will be set, I believe, after the Florida game, the Monday after the Florida game, I believe. So if Tennessee is, yeah, that's correct. So if Tennessee's four and zero at that point, I think this is a night game. Uh, in Death Valley, no, no matter yeah. what, it might it might be the three thirty game if LSU has played well to start the season. I don't know Probably. who else plays that day, but it's it's going to be three thirty or prime time if both teams are playing well. So night game, Death Valley. You know, it, it's kind of like the Florida situation, but I think LSU has more talent. They got some good, really good players because Ed Ogeron was recruiting pretty well before before he got fired. Now they've lost some of those players, but they still got some really good players left. They got. Several quarterback options. Brian Kelly's not announced the starter yet, and we know it won't be Miles Brennan because he just left the program. But you got Garrett Nussmeyer, the the quarterback that transferred from Arizona State. Kayshawn Butte, who might be the best wide receiver in the SEC outside of Cedric Tillman, based on what Tillman has has actually accomplished. So you got some good players, and Brian Kelly should be kind of finding his groove by early October, right? I'm not a huge Brian Kelly guy. I don't know that he's going to win a championship at LSU like every other coach that's been there the last 20 years has eventually won. But 
I think he's a decent coach. Obviously, he he's made Notre Dame relevant nationally. They they flirt with the college football playoff most years. So I think this LSU team is going to be better than some people think, and this could be one of those games that just just things just don't go Tennessee's way. Crowd becomes a factor. Uh, Tennessee's offense we know has the potential go three and out a few times. Things snowball, and it just it just goes bad from there. And I think that could be this type of game. Now, on the flip side, I do think Tennessee's perfectly capable of winning this game, just like the Florida game. I don't think it's a automatic loss by any means. Uh, I would be thrilled to be very wrong about this, and it has the potential to be like a signature win for Josh Heupel, because imagine celebrating in the swamp after a night game when the win actually counts, unlike uh, 2010 when 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 it was stolen from Derek Dooley for, for a foolish penalty. Uh that would be a, a great moment for Josh Heupel and really signal a turning point for this program if they could beat LSU and Florida in, in back-to-back games. But for now, I've got it down as a loss. Just winning, I, I think it will be a night game, almost no matter what. Uh, it just kind of feels that way. Just because it, we're such similar, such in a similar place to LSU, um, I think they kind of give it that like two two new coaches in the SEC, head-to-head, blah, 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 you know, that whole thing. But we will know a lot about LSU going into that game because I, I looked at their schedule. They got Auburn, Mississippi State, and Florida State all before Tennessee. Oh, wow, yeah. So we will know a heck of a lot. I hate that they're playing Mississippi State before Tennessee. Mississippi State plays – their offense is somewhat similar to Tennessee's. It's still completely different concepts. It's yeah. more air raid, more mesh type stuff going on. But it's still kind of – tempo based and it's different from what a traditional offense looks like that might prepare them a little bit better for to play against Tennessee's offense I I don't like that they played them before they played Tennessee I agree with that it's I don't want them used to uh to like it's I don't know if you would call both of those offenses gimmick offenses. It seems a little mean, but it is really ultimately in the landscape of college football. It's sort of what it is. Although they're I think both, gimmicky compared to other, yes, what's considered traditional. Exactly. Yeah. Non. That's that's a better word. Non-traditional offenses. Yeah, there you, you go. They will have already played a non-traditional offense, but it is it's different enough. Yeah, that Mississippi I, State doesn't really run the ball that much under Mike oh, Leach. Yeah, and almost does. none. They, I'm <laughs> looking at the stats this offseason. I think Will Rogers threw the ball almost 700 times last year. Just <laughs> I don't doubt it. A wild amount of passes in that leech offense. But, um, so we'll know a lot about LSU going into that game. I think it's a loss. Uh, just it's a grinded out, really tough, really close. I think it'll probably be back and forth. I think it could end up kind of being like the Purdue Bowl game where they really look similar and LSU just. Just at the end, they just outlast you because they just are in roster wise in a little bit of a better place. Um, I mean, they just they weren't in shambles as much as Tennessee was a year ago. Uh, and and Brian Kelly, while I don't think incredibly highly of him as a, a head coach, um, he's good enough. I, I would yeah. put it that way. That's how he's, I view him too. Yeah, he's he is not in that elite echelon, but he's also like not in the dumpster either he's he's kind of like mike gundy in yeah, a way, yeah yeah as far That's as a great their, their career paths and stuff yeah i i agree um so i really close tough loss but it is a loss so and you then, got them three and two after five games i do i've got uh, them at four and one I'm okay so a little more optimistic, optimistic to me yeah 
back to Neyland Stadium in the next game, October 15th against Alabama. Does Tennessee... Now, I people have made this prediction that Tennessee surprises Alabama this year. They play spoiler. They kind of take that Texas A&M mantle from a year ago and just kind of go like, wow, what even was that? How did Alabama lose that game? Seen that prediction. It has happened. Are you in agreement with those people, Zach? Well, first off, if you put Mark's comment about uh, top 10 up here on the screen, I think Mark is 100% correct. If Tennessee does go 5-0 and those first five games, they'll absolutely be ranked in the top 100%. 10. If they yeah. beat Ball State convincingly and a top 25 team loses, they'll jump right into the top 25 immediately, I think. And if they if they start 5-0, and there's, there's no question in my mind that they – Top 10, maybe even flirting with top five, just because you'd have wins against two SEC teams and one of those wins on the road. We we do have a little bit of belief here in the in the comments. Elk 75. I want to say from previous times, I think he's an Ohio State fan. He's not even a Tennessee fan. But he says Tennessee beats LSU because Kelly isn't as good as everyone thinks. Oh wow. Okay. So hey, a little bit of belief from outside, a little third party belief there. And and like we said, that that prediction could change based on what we see the first few weeks. It's tough yeah. with with Florida and LSU particularly because of the new coaches. As far as Alabama, I mean, I'm sorry. I have it down as an automatic loss. I mean, my philosophy on Alabama is about like yours with Florida. I'm not all the way there on Florida because I always see them as beatable, uh, especially the post-Urban Meyer years. But with Alabama right now, they're just so deep. Saban has a lot of confidence heading into this year where he didn't really – I mean, he called last year a rebuilding year. Now, maybe that's just him – throwing that out there to kind of be a jerk. I don't know. You, you know how Nick Saban is, but if he truly views last year as a rebuilding year and they went to the national championship game, what does that say about what he thinks he has this year? Uh, that guy's a machine. Alabama's going to be as good as ever. Bryce Young's going to be probably the best player in the nation. So I don't, and they got Will Anderson. So I just don't see it. Tennessee doesn't have the depth. I mean, maybe they keep it competitive into the third quarter, but Alabama doesn't just have depth. They have elite depth. They have four- and five-star guys stepping up to fill those roles, and that's like we talked about earlier with Tennessee's, the key to Tennessee's season on defense. That's also the key to beating Tennessee is having depth because your defense is going to get tired against Tennessee's offense, but if you've got the guys to to sub in and out like that, if they can if they can sub them in, which I'm sure Nick Saban will find a way, maybe it's a phantom injury or something. I think that's the difference, just like it has been uh, in the past few years, or really last year. I agree, but I, I'll say this. This is my prediction for this game. I think it is extremely close. In fact, I think that Tennessee has Alabama on the ropes. In this game, Ooh. it's in Neyland. You think it's you think it's like oh nine, like two thousand nine, Alabama, yes. Tennessee, Kiffin year. And I think Alabama with that depth, right at the end. It's, I really kind of see it more like the twenty fifteen game. Tennessee oh, has yeah, the yeah. lead with yeah. two minutes left in that game. Yeah, and then oh, that's a they tough go down. One to relive that's a yeah. really tough one to relive. I think it's like that. Season, where really. ten- Tennessee keeps it close enough, you might get a lead late, and then they just don't have the horses. To because I mean just Bryce Young's yeah. a monster. I mean he's he's gonna be a Heisman favorite again. I mean, ah. Dude, if you if you have them on the ropes in the fourth quarter, I mean Tennessee played them into the fourth quarter last year. Uh, it's it's probably mm-hmm. going to be a similar situation with the depth that we've talked about. I mean that 
no, there are no moral victories, but you have to feel good about where your program's at. I mean, during the Jeremy Pruitt era, you were playing those games and you're losing by 40 points to Georgia and Florida and Alabama. You at least want to be competitive uh, in those games. And that's what I've always said about Tennessee is I would consider them back when the Alabama game is like the LSU or Florida games this year where it's a complete toss-up and we really it could completely go either way and it would not surprise you either way. And that's just not the case yet. If Tennessee beats Alabama, I know there's some people that have predicted it because there's always some crazy upsets every year. Um, but it still be a major surprise if Tennessee knocked off Alabama. That would be – I don't care who we lose to the rest of the year. Tennessee's back. You beat, you beat Alabama again. I don't even. I literally don't know what I would do. I have. I. It's like out of my realm of imagination almost at this point. Oh, film I, yourself I, if they do win. I hope you have a. I hope your wife is filming it so we can all enjoy the reaction wherever wherever you are. I don't care if you're on. You're well. You'll probably be working with doing the show with Crompton. But well, I'll, sure. Yeah, I want to see the immediate aftermath right after they win. That has I'll keep to that in mind. That. Uh, I mean, just when I think about like how excited I've been just watching Alabama lose to other teams, I mean, I've, I've almost gotten like in fights at bar when, when Johnny Manziel beat Alabama, I was in a bar in downtown Nashville and almost got in a fight with Alabama fans that were there because I was just screaming at him being like, ha, 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 ha. like that's, I don't know what I, cause I would just be here at my house since I do the show with Crompton. I, I don't have anybody to taunt. My wife's not an Alabama fan or anything. God bless her. Uh, so else, else has the good, the right idea there. If uh, if Tennessee beats Alabama, Feinbaum will be oh man, Meltdown City must listen. <laughs> That'd be like when you talk about Kentucky Sports Radio after they lose to Tennessee in basketball. Oh yeah, uh, that would be very similar, man. And and he did say that it that Elks is Big Ten Jeff. He is. He oh okay, okay. In the comments. I got yeah. You. So he he is a, an Ohio State fan, but um, so from there. That is the toughest stretch of Tennessee's schedule. You play UT Martin. God, you got them three and three after six games. Yes, uh, and I am three and four. I no, guess. you. No, you, no. I, I'm four and two. You're three and three. So, yeah, right, 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 right. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so three and three for me. Four and two for Zach so far to this point in the season. You play UT Martin. That's a win for both of us. Yeah, auto win. Homecoming game there, and then. Kentucky in Neyland Stadium on October 29th. This is another sort of linchpin game. Now, I have, I'll just already, I can knock this one out for my myself. Um, I have the exact same policy that I have for the Florida game, but for the Kentucky game, but just exactly opposite. Tennessee beats Kentucky until they don't. You beat them 30 out of the last 33 years, you're going to get me to predict that you are always going to beat Kentucky. It just, it, all, it doesn't matter. T Kentucky... Tennessee can have a garbage team like in Pruitt's first year and Kentucky can have arguably one of their best seasons of all time, maybe their best season of all time. And Tennessee still beats them. I mean, it just is what it is. Kentucky is cursed against Tennessee in the same way that Tennessee's cursed against Florida. So that's a win for me. Uh, and it's in Neyland, which I think is, is going to be huge. Although Kentucky's going to be out for blood. They still got Will Levis. They lost a little bit of talent, but um, I, I think uh, that's, that's a win for me, and kind of going away. You win by 10 points. I put it, so when I broke this down, I told you I had some auto wins, some toss-up games, and some auto losses. And then I had a couple of games I considered 
Tennessee will probably win these games. I couldn't quite call it an auto win. And that's where I got the Kentucky game. They probably beat Kentucky because the, the reasons you said. But also, I like Will Levis. I think he's probably going to be a pretty decent NFL quarterback, but he turns the ball over a lot. And that's something he's got to figure out if he's going to have a career in the NFL. Because he's got the natural talent and he's a a really great person as far as the way he presents himself. And if you hear listen to him in an interview, he's a really impressive guy. But I think Tennessee's defense could actually come up and make some plays in this game that helps Tennessee win this game. I think you could see some turnovers uh, in this game that are that are pivotal, uh, come at pivotal points. Uh, Mark Stoops' teams play hard. Uh, you're right, Kentucky's going to be looking for blood. They're not going to lay down against Tennessee. But I still think Tennessee will win this game. They just got more talent, and that offense is just – they. Kentucky couldn't stop that offense last year. Tennessee couldn't really stop Kentucky's offense. So that's going to be the big difference. Does Tennessee's defense improve enough this offseason to, you know, limit Kentucky to, well, they score 45 points last year, I think, to maybe limit that to 21, 24 points instead. If that's the case, then yeah, Tennessee wins by double digits. Kentucky's just not built to beat Josh Heupel style teams. Uh, that is, I feel like that is just the biggest matchup nightmare that they could possibly have because they just play such an opposite style <laughs> from from Tennessee. Now Tennessee made it look easy for Kentucky's offense last season, mm-hmm. that and that was late game. in the year. I, you know, Tennessee yeah. was banged up a little bit uh, defensively. It had been a long season, so that wasn't a total shock that 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 was the case. But we're we're both a win there. Then Tennessee goes to Athens, Georgia, to play the defending national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, this one's a loss for me, Zach. Uh, I you even saw. I don't. I don't remember who it was, but one of the ESPN uh, analysts that I saw who might be on drugs. I'm not totally sure. Predicted Tennessee. What was it? Ten and two with a win in Athens. Um, I thought didn't didn't we text about this? Oh yeah, yeah, them. yeah. Uh, in so many predictions in the last three, yeah, weeks, it's hard to keep track of all of them. But e- even that prediction is out there. Uh, do you agree? Will Tennessee beat Georgia and Athens? <laughs> I don't think Georgia is going to be as good as they were last year. They lost a lot. I agree. They They're still not. got like two or three first round players on defense though that are going to be drafted. Like you said in the first round, so. They're still going to be really good. They're still a national national title contender. I do think maybe they slip up and lose a game this year. It could be Tennessee. I don't think it'll be Tennessee. One because the game's in Athens. Uh, two, it, it's you know it, it, it's in November, so it's same kind of thing with the defense being beat up. You got to play good defense against Georgia, even though they're not known for a high scoring offense. They they still score points. I mean, they still that was that narrative was kind of strange to me last year because I think they were still top ten uh, in scoring offense last season or, or close to it. I don't I don't think Tennessee's gonna have enough to beat Georgia. I just it's an elite team. I mean, Kirby Smart has done a great job in getting great players in there, and even though they lost quite a bit, they they still have plenty of talent. They got those guys that they were bringing in in the third and fourth quarter against Tennessee last year that can step up. So. It's hard. I, there's no way I could predict Tennessee to win this game. Now, maybe we see something in the season. Georgia's got a big flaw that they didn't have last year. Maybe they drop a couple of games they shouldn't. Tennessee plays really well. You know, maybe you change the prediction come November. But as things stand right now, I just I just don't see it. Georgia won't be as good as a year ago. 
Kirby Smart is not nearly as good of a coach as Nick Saban. No, Kirby Smart is not. I mean, he's one of the he's in the bottom half of game day coaches in the SEC yes. to me. Gen- genuinely, his I don't want to say his team wins despite him. I don't think it's that bad, but they mm-hmm. don't win because of him. I would put right. it that way. Um, and I think they've lost games because of him in the past. I like the looks- SEC championship game uh, was a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there are many recent examples with him. The what they lost to South Carolina like two years ago. That one is like a total freak game. game. Where there was like a fake pun or something random, yeah, or something odd like that. That was just a mind blowing decision. Yeah. And and in some sense, that certainly leaves them open to to getting got. And I think they will this season against somebody. Floor, I don't know who their cross division Mississippi is. State is one of them. Yeah, see that might. Be, I've always said know. about. I've always said about Mike Leach. Like his teams are going to probably go seven and six, eight and five most years. Some five and seven years, and they're going to lose some games to like a an Akron type team that they should not lose. And they're gonna, they're going to inexplicably win against Georgia or yeah. Alabama somehow. Like just their offense just should be clicking that day, and everything's going to go right, and nothing's going to go right for Georgia. And it's going to be this huge upset. That's just it's kind of the way Mike Leach works it's just a situation where every because it's in athens everything would have to go right for ten it would everything would have to go right for tennessee and a whole bunch of stuff would have to go wrong for georgia yeah all you you will not win that on talent you will not win that on depth coaching you probably have the better in-game coach or and, and sp- definitely schematically you have the better coach in hypo but i you know it just they just got dudes on dudes on dudes on dudes just you know, five deep with five stars. It's makes me want to die. Uh, but so that's, that's a loss there. Um, but uh, I mean, and, and on as crazy as it is, I think Alabama, because it's a Neyland stadium and just uh, kind of the nature of that game feels like one that's more likely for Tennessee to win, but I don't think that they win. I agree. I, if you had to, if you had to, if you asked me which one of those is a more likely upset, I would go with Alabama, uh, Tennessee has a better shot in that game, I think, than and it's mainly because of it's it's at home and not in Athens. So, the final little stretch of uh, the season: Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Missouri in Neyland Stadium on uh, November twelfth. Drinkowitz is still the coach there, so they got the dork on the sidelines. And um, to me, Neyland Stadium. You've sandblasted these guys a year ago. This is a win for for Tennessee for me. Yeah, I put I put it down as an auto win. I usually don't do that with conference games unless it's Vanderbilt, but I, I feel pretty confident about this based on what we saw last year at Neyland. I've never been convinced that Drinkwitz is a is a great coach. He's a he knows how to market himself somewhat. He gets attention, not always for the <laughs> right reasons. I don't think he's going to be a long-term answer at Missouri. I think he'll be an offensive coordinator back in the ACC within a year or two. Uh, but yeah, there's there's no there's no way Tennessee's losing to Missouri. There's just not after last year, not after what we saw them do. There's just I don't I don't see it. There's no possible way. It's not even a thought in my mind that that it yeah. could possibly happen. It's it's a win to me. And this stretch in the season is really where Hypel proves his true worth to me. You have some opportunities for some sensational wins, some surprising wins. Um, 
earlier in the season, but this final three games is where Hypel shows that he can just win those games. You got to win the, they are Tennessee will probably be favored in all three of these games and you just got to win them. And he did it last year and that's great. And you got to do it again. They're in a much different spot. These South Carolina was early in the season last mm-hmm. year. And so was Missouri. So now you got to kind of flip it and do it at the end of the season when maybe you're a little more worn down, you're coming off the Georgia game. Um, but regardless, yeah, that's a win for me. Now, then you go to Columbia, South Carolina. This one's a little bit tougher. Shane Beamer thinking he's real special down there. Uh, he's getting a whole bunch of hype, although they don't, you know, ten- Tennessee is definitely being more highly regarded in the South Carolina this season, but they have the the highly lauded Spencer Rattler there uh, who got replaced by a freshman in Oklahoma. So um, does Rattler carry South Carolina to a win over Tennessee? I'm not a big believer in Spencer Rattler at all. Uh, I don't think many people that follow college football super, super close are. I mean, they kind of think there's a lot of overhype going on there. But I do think Shane Beamer has got that program trending in a better direction than Will Muschamp did. It's, it's you know, they played well last year. They got a little bit of hype. He's brought some energy to the program. I don't dislike Shane Beamer at all. Some of his stuff is cringy, like the little video at SEC Media Days where he's dancing with the mirror and the lights and stuff. Uh, and it's just his approach sometimes seems like he's just happy to be there. Like he doesn't really, <laughs> he doesn't really feel like he belongs yet. He's just exactly. he he still can't believe he's an SEC head coach. Like that's the vibe I get when I see him talking to the media, like when he talked to Georgia last year. But I liked what he's done with the program. I think they're going to be a respectable team for. For as long as he's there, I don't think he's ever going to like win the SEC championship or give him the 10-11 wins like Steve Spurrier did. I put this game as a game that I think Tennessee probably wins. If it was at Neyland, I still wouldn't go auto win because I do respect what, what he's done there. But Tennessee handled South Carolina easily last year. You do have Rattler. That changes things a bit. But I still think Hendon Hooker's the better quarterback. I think Tennessee has the better wide receivers. I don't know a lot about South Carolina's running backs. I don't I don't necessarily think that would be a big difference in the game anyway, but I just like Tennessee's skill position players so much better than than what is at South Carolina. So I, I feel like Tennessee will win that game. I don't know how close it'll be. It's another one of those games where, you know, it could be kind of a back-and-forth shootout. If Rattler, Rattler does live up to expectations and plays well, this could be a game that's a final score like Kentucky last year. But either way, I think Tennessee wins it. I I agree. This is a win for me. You know, Beamer kind of strikes me like a guy. Like, I bet after every game, he, like, calls his dad. And it's like, Dad, did you see the game? I bet so, yeah. How'd you think I did? Did I do good, Dad? He seems like that kind of guy. Not that it's bad to call your dad, but it just is a funny image to me for him to be like, Dad! Well, when when your dad's Frank Beamer, at least it's, you know, you might get some good advice. (laughs) Yeah, he might. How to block puns or something. That's true. (laughs) Um, I think this feels to me like last year's Kentucky game late in the season. It's going to take a gutsy, tough performance. You're going to, you're going to be worn down at that point The you may have a couple of injuries, hopefully nothing too serious, but it's, it's going to be one where you just got to get gutsy. You got to dig down deep and you got to just win in Columbia, South Carolina, probably night game, you know, who knows? And, and you just pull it out. And that's, that's, the one that I see very back and forth close. I, I almost see like a double digit win over Kentucky and this one being 
uh, a closer back and forth. The styles match up a little bit better than Kentucky does with Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and so that, but it is a win ultimately for Tennessee for me. And then the Vanderbilt Commodores in Nashville, Tennessee and Neyland West, uh, Vandy really feeling themselves this week. Uh, they go to Hawaii and beat effectively a high school team by 54 points or something. It was, uh, a real 60, beat down. Yeah. yeah. They, they really gained the system there. They, they got a trip to Hawaii and they won by 50. Um, so congratulations there. But I had like Van. I, so I predicted that Hawaii would be Vandy because Hawaii era because Vandy so badly sucked last year. I mean they were absolutely awful. Got beat by everybody. ETSU beat them by twenty. I mean they were just garbage upon garbage. Um, so I didn't really have much reason. They still have Mike Wright, who is not particularly impressive at all. Um, and so uh, I, I I predicted that Vandy would lose to Hawaii. Obviously, they did not. And there were Vandy fans being like, hey, remember this tweet that you said we were going to lose? Okay, Vandy, cool it. You beat Hawaii. And a Hawaii team that was gutted from the top down, uh, they got a new coach, apparently 50 new players, according to the broadcast. Like, it was just a complete flip. Um, and so, Vandy, congratulations. You beat essentially an NAIA team. Um, so don't get too big for your britches. Uh but Tennessee goes to Vandy that we know that Vandy home crowd. It can be a crowd that is there. It, they may have 10, 13, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 people there. Maybe it might be a big, it, it might be like 20 people. If they really can sell tickets to that game, uh, we'll have to see. But for the most part, it will be Tennessee fans as it always is. Zach, are we beating Vandy? Well, if, if Vanderbilt hosted Tennessee more often, they might not might not have had to have uh, sold their naming rights to their stadium to First Bank or whoever it was that is now the the proud namesake of Vanderbilt Stadium. No, I mean that game against Hawaii doesn't impact how I feel about Vanderbilt or what Tennessee will do against Vanderbilt at all. I mean not maybe exactly. they're maybe they're improved this year. I think Clark Lee is a good football coach. I don't know that he's ever going to be able to find success at Vanderbilt because it's so hard to find success there. Took a really good coach in James Franklin, you know, to get Vanderbilt to nine wins a couple of times. And it took really bad Tennessee teams to help them get there and some not so good Florida teams during that same time period. So uh, that that was a bit of fool's gold. But no, I, I don't think Vanderbilt will will put up much of a fight in this game. The fact that it's in Nashville doesn't matter at all. It's like it's just another home game for Tennessee. Crowd's gonna be almost all orange, especially if Vanderbilt's like two and ten or two and nine or something by then. So yeah, it's it's gonna be an easy win for Tennessee, and uh, they'll be able to uh, recruit some mid-state guys there while they're while they're out there. Yeah, Vanderbilt hasn't won an SEC game in close to two years. Um, so they could beat Missouri. They could beat Missouri. Maybe, they could. Possibly. They almost beat South Carolina last year, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly, very nearly. Um. Yeah. I mean. They're probably going to be improved to some extent, but you just, the talent is not there. Lee's a decent coach, I'm sure, but it just, they're just not in the same ballpark. Like, I want him to work out there. I mean, I, I, sure. I, he's from Nashville. He played at Vanderbilt. I, I, I don't want to see Vanderbilt be one in 11 every year. I mean, Tennessee's going to beat him anyway. So I would like for them to at least give the other teams in the SEC East a bit of a game at times. Like, if, Vanderbilt could shock everybody and and knock off a Florida or something every now and then. It sure would help, especially if Florida 
uh, ends up, you know, being pretty decent under Billy Napier. Yeah, I'd love it. But uh, Van- Vanderbilt probably not fans, happening. <laughs> no, no. But Vanderbilt fans, their fa- their favorite thing to say now is we're we're three and three against Tennessee in the last, or uh, three and four against Tennessee in the last seven, or whatever it is. Uh, and you go like, okay, that's a great, nice little framing of that. Tennessee has beaten Vanderbilt for three straight years, including uh, a year where Jeremy Pruitt just had this thing like driven into the ground. He even then. Tennessee won by like 20 some odd points. So uh, I might calm down with the whole, oh, well, we're three and whatever in the last blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Tennessee is going to beat Vanderbilt in, in Nashville. And if they don't, then we got a problem with Josh Heifel. Uh, let's yeah. put it that way. If you lose this game, we're going to have to have a little talk. So um, yeah, there's, there's that. You better not lose. I would put it that way. So our predictions, that that is it. Uh, so you got eight and four. Yep. I've got nine and three with a chance that 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 gives Tennessee a chance at their first ten win season since two thousand and seven. And I I always this is one of my favorite stats. Every active head football coach that has won a national championship has won at least nine regular season games in their second season. Oh wow! Yeah. Look back. Okay. Even Kirby did it. Uh, as much as they weren't very good in those first couple of years where he was there. I believe they won exactly nine in that second season. Um, and so if I, I think I might be right about that, but uh, it, and Dabo, even Dabo did it. And he just look back. They all did it. Uh, if I believe that stat still holds. And so it's all about that Florida and LSU game. It those is two games. It could be really, and, and maybe the pit game, that one too. Uh, you win two out of those three, and nine wins is looking really, really doable with with ten with the bowl game. Uh, well, let's you somehow let's say sweep this. those three, and you won't be able to stand Tennessee Twitter. Like you won't. Oh man, opposing fans will just don't even get on the app. Delete the app off your phone if Tennessee wins <laughs> ten regular season games. Uh, please, please. I the amount of fun that I have had. With baseball this past year, with basketball, especially basketball, like beating Kentucky consistently, the amount of fun that I have had ragging on other fan bases. Please give me that in football. I am I am down on my knees begging you. Please. I need it. My soul needs it. Um, so we'll we'll end with a quick preview of the ball state game. <laughs> Let's be honest, it's not gonna be too deep. But um everybody to who who wants to in the comments, we'll we'll end with a little comment section. Um, where we just talk about what y'all uh, have have said. Tell us your season prediction. What will the record be for Tennessee? Where where do you think uh, Tennessee will land? I said eight and four. Zach said nine and three. So if you if you want to, we actually we already had a couple on Twitter. I think I saw season predictions. Um, so drop them into the comments there. What uh, what record do you think Tennessee will have uh, to end here? We already let's see. Uh, Courtney Arnold said this year feels different. Seems like coach brought back the fight in the players and identity that brings confidence. Teams are going to be scared once they see what this team can do in year two, nine and three or 11 and one. Ooh. 11 and one would be a heck of a season. Wouldn't what that happened be- to, uh, what happened to 10 and two here? We just skipping. skipping yeah. We're just skipping right over 10 and two. That's not even a possibility. 10 and two is off the board. <laughs> um, Jay, Jake said, call calling my shot. Now hooker has a Heisman type season. Uh, makes it to New York City and loses the award to Will Anderson. Lordy, that would be one. That would be. 
But let me. I've said for months now, Hooker doesn't. Obviously, you want to see Hendon Hooker win the Heisman. That would be huge. But him just getting to New York and being on that stage would be massive for Tennessee huge. and recruiting ah. quarterbacks and massive. Just being on that stage, huge. If you had a Heisman finalist in Hooker and Nico in the pipeline, you will Heupel will never not have a five star quarterback coming here. Right. I mean, across the board, it it would be Mark, Mark Jones. Who this entire show, he has been uh, incredibly positive. He says. 12 and 0. I love the I love the optimism. Thank you. If Tennessee puts up steel on Thursday night, I might be right there with you. Yeah. By Friday morning. We're all going to be thinking it at that point. Mm-hmm. Kevin Anthony says seven and five, eight and four at best. Uh I think eight eight and four just feels so likely to me. It just is it allows for wiggle room of losing some tough games and also winning some good games. So I just I I don't know. Uh, Bryson, he says nine and three, love the hypo system and Hinden is going to break out. Gary says nine and three. Also the pit game will tell a lot. hundred percent agree. Uh, absolutely. And <laughs> Mark with his 12 and 0 prediction says, speak it into existence. Let's do 12 and 0, 12 and 0, 12 and 0, 12 and 0. Put that car out into the world. <laughs> um, all right. What's so your score you- prediction before we, uh, so we did that last year to see how close we get. Oh, right. Okay. I think we actually hit on one last year, didn't we? I feel like we did. Like there was uh, one you, game we got it exactly right. I want to say right. you hit one exactly. Maybe. Okay. One of us did. Hit a, hit a score prediction exactly. But uh, again, I'll say anybody in the comments, leave your, we'll, we'll talk about it before we get out of here, your season prediction for Tennessee. Just drop it into the comments wherever you might be watching. But we'll, so Ball State, I looked into this. They have a brand new quarterback who has who has played but never thrown a touchdown in collegiate ball. Um, he's replacing a quarterback that was actually pretty decent, but from a team that was overall bad. They had a losing season last year uh, in Ball State. They were picked to finish last in their division in their conference by media preseason. Um, it doesn't look good. They had a lot of turnover on defense, although they do have a couple of pieces. Depth isn't there. Um, this thing is just mismatched completely. I think Tennessee puts, they, they drive it up in game one. Like Heupel gets a little bit of style points. I, I think he's probably, I, I would guess, you know, Hooker has plenty of experience at this point. Take him out in the third quarter, give, give some reps to Taven, Taven Jackson, Joe Milton, whoever. I mean, I, I would guess he's going to emphasize Milton in that scenario, but you, you never know. Um, just to keep Milton as sharp as possible. <sighs> 50. What I'm trying to think to be 49, 56, 55. I'll say there are two field goals in there. If I'm thinking correctly, that'll equal six points and then seven touchdown. Am I doing that math? Right. Seven times seven is 49. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get in this to do math. Uh, so, yeah, all of those touchdowns plus two field goals is 55 points. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 for Ball State. 55 to 10. That's what I'll say. A 45-point win for Tennessee. Not as good as Vandy. Let's say we won't be as impressive as Vandy, but we'll be close. We can only hope to be as good as Vandy, right? Yeah. Well, 
Tennessee, like you say, will have the luxury of playing some backup guys in, in the fourth quarter in garbage time. So that'll that'll wipe off a bunch of points, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I wrote my prediction down before you said yours, and you said 55 to 10. 55 to 10. So I had pretty close to what I had. And we were close last year a lot, I remember as well. But I had 52 to 13. Uh, I think pretty much the same thing. I don't think Taven Jackson gets into the game just because Joe Milton is is the primary backup right now. Maybe that changes later in the year, but I think he's really going to want Milton to get all those reps uh, in this game, assuming he's able to get into the game in the fourth quarter. Now, maybe maybe Taven gets into like UT Martin. I know he can play in some games and not burn his red shirt, and I do think he will play some this year, uh, Akron, UT Martin, something like that, but I, I don't think it'll be this first game. We got a real, uh, real Butch Jones comment here from Sam Hargrove. No offense, you're not... <laughs> You're not Butch Jones. I don't want to put that on you, but this is something Butch Jones would say. One game at a time, one and zero. That's your record prediction. <laughs> one and zero. Sam, for thank this you for that's his, he's gonna make a new one every week, and <laughs> and hey. it's one and zero every week, baby. He's right though. He's right. That is that that is, that has to be their goal. If you're on the team, you yes. can't look ahead. You can't look exactly. behind. You can't look ahead. You gotta stay in the present and, and focus on that game week. That's a easy way to lose a game. You start looking ahead. Exactly. Skylar Hyde says 48 to 10 falls and Mark says 63 to zero versus D's ball state. <laughs> uh, all right. So that, uh, that is the show. Let me make sure. Let me check my, uh, my list here. Do you um, need to quickly throw shade at South Carolina before we yes. stop for their nickname? Oh. Absolutely. We do. So South Hand Carolina floor here. <laughs> so I looked into this situation South Carolina lost essentially like lost the rights to their live mascot is like the family who had the live mascot, like took it back and said, <laughs> you can't call it that anymore. Cause it's out like we own the rights to it. So like they lost the rights to their live animal. That was took, a fighting took, took Shane Beamer one year to lose the mascot. <laughs> yeah. So weird. Um, and so they got a new one and they're naming it and they ran a poll in the Columbia, whatever down there, the Columbia bugle or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, for names for the mascot and the one that ran away without it. There were some good ones. Cluck Norris was a good <laughs> one. I liked um, a few others, but the one that far and away everybody loved uh, was cock commander, <laughs> which I don't know why they would put that in there. The rest were like, fine. Like, oh, that's cute. That's a cute name. Uh, Cock Commander won like 93% of the vote or something. And South Carolina, they stole this election. Frankly, we need to go down there and protest because they they wiped out those results and they said, no, we're calling him the general, which is apparently something with some like history with the school. No, I Thomas know. Thomas Sumter, General Sumter, is a senator in Revolutionary War. Yes, yeah. yeah. Don't act like anybody knows your history, South Carolina. It doesn't. You don't have a Davy Crockett. Just shut it. Yeah, I had to. I actually had to Google that. Uh, yeah. Whenever they put it out there, terrible. They call him the general, and the we there should be a protest in the streets in Columbia, South Carolina. We, I will be calling. The animal cock commander. You better believe that. He is my cock commander. Oh, my. <laughs> um, Sorry, that was bad. That was bad. You can't edit that out. That? <laughs> no, you can't. It's live. That's that's for everyone. Uh, 
Dang it, South Carolina. What a that's funny. Everybody, you better, ho- you better hope Tennessee doesn't lose to South Carolina now. Oh, because somebody man. will go back and find that clip, and it'll be you'll be on the internet forever. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Yeah. So that's that's. Lame. It'll probably it'll probably be me that goes back and finds. It's it. It will be. That's yeah. that's what I was gonna say. It, it will be you who digs yeah. that up. I mean. <laughs> um. Thank you to everybody who watched. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody. Um, Mark, I hope you're right. I hope it is a 12 and 0 season. Danny, I know you are right. He said Neyland Stadium will be rocking when Florida comes. That is oh, without no doubt. a doubt. Uh, Mark also said we are undefeated right now. You cannot dispute that. Unequivocally true. Um, but thanks to everybody who commented, who's watching, uh, who will watch in the future. Uh, it, it seriously, it means a ton. This, we wouldn't be able to switch over to these live streams if you guys weren't watching. So it's, it's really awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Superbook sports, go there, download it, make bets, um, and get in on, uh, on the action, support them. Cause they're supporting the boys here. That is the A to Z sports, big orange podcast for this week. Now we will, we have, we are changed up for this coming week. We will be doing every Monday at four when the games are on Saturdays. We will be doing Friday, probably around midday. We haven't decided on a time yet. Zach has some considerations because he has like life responsibilities with kids and stuff. God bless him. (laughs) Um, So we're going to have to work that out. But it will be around midday on Friday. We're going to do kind of an immediate reaction to to the Tennessee Ball State game. Um, But then from then on, it will be, uh, and so Labor Day we're taking off. But from then on, Monday at 4 o'clock, just like this, uh, for the rest of the season. And we hope to see everybody there. And I will be doing the game day show <coughs> with Jonathan Crompton and sometimes with Zach when, when Cromp is out. Um, but during the game, halftime, post-game, right here at A to Z on, on YouTube and Facebook and Twitch. Um, me, Jonathan Crompton, former Tennessee quarterback. Jonathan's, dude, his analysis of games, so awesome, so incredible. Hey, he's lived it, so yeah, anyone dude, knows. Dude sees the game in a different way. It's it's really uh, amazing. So tune in and um, this is this is the coverage uh, for for this season. I'm so hyped, man. Um, but that's it, Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thanks again to everybody for watching. Uh, oh, dude, I I just forgot. I have to get this to uh, to end the show. Uh, it is football time in Tennessee, folks. Don't forget it. And with that in mind. The Rocky Top Club next will take us out. Thanks again for watching, and we'll talk to y'all on on Friday. See you guys later.